Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Normally, we would be doing our FOMO report on Fridays, but we're going to put that off until Monday because... We have election results we need to talk about today. (laughs) We will be taking the risk that you will experience the fear of missing out, but I think that it'll be okay. (laughs) First off, I want to admit when I'm wrong. I predicted a red tsunami, and instead, we got a red trickle. (laughs) That's pretty much what it summed up the night as. There were several reasons why I predicted the tsunami, and there was a a lot of discontent in this country uh, around the current leadership, the the handling of COVID, and, and even the state of our economy. All of this showed momentum in the polls for Republicans and and uh, and Republican candidates, despite conditions in this country that were set up very well for conservatives. The election results did not meet expectations nationally. Now, Ben Shapiro of the Daily Wire had a few thoughts about what you know we should learn from this these these election results, and and I thought it very interesting. And I thought I might bring it to you. Here's the basic takeaway from the election 2022 so far. Number one, Democrats will not change course on anything. They wildly outperformed expectations, except in Florida. And to bolster this point uh, comes Hank Green. And and he said on Wednesday, after most of the results had been tabulated from Election Day, President Biden declared that he would do nothing differently, despite voters being disenchanted with the direction of the country. Earlier in his press conference, Biden had stated that the voters were also clear that we're still frustrated. I get it. I understand it's been a really tough few years in this country So, for for so many people. This is what Biden said. But then a reporter noting Biden's comment that voters were frustrated and and polls showing 75% of voters Voters believing the country is headed in the wrong direction asked Biden, quote, what in the next two years do you intend to do differently to change people's opinion of the direction of the country, particularly as you contemplate a run for president in 2024? Here's Biden's answer, quote, nothing. That's what he said, nothing, because we're just finding out what we're doing. Biden replied. He asserted, quote, the more they know about what we're doing, the more support there is, unquote. And later, Biden doubled down on this, saying, I'm not going to change. As a a matter of fact, you know, there's some things I want to change and add to. For example, we had passed the, the most bipartisan well, we passed the, the most extensive gun legislation, uh, anti, uh, you know, rational 
uh, gun policy in 30 years. And, uh, but we didn't ban assault weapons. I'm going to ban assault weapons. So I'm not going to change the direction, unquote. (laughs) I don't do a great Biden, but you get the point. Quote, we're going to restore the soul of the country. Begin to treat each other with decency, honor, and integrity. <laughs> Said from the man who's, who's, you know, diver- divisive rhetoric has, has drawn harsh criticism. Quote, and it's starting to happen. People are, uh, the conversations are becoming more normal. Uh, becoming more, uh, more, uh, uh, how can I say it? Uh, decent, <laughs> unquote. I'm going to do everything in my power to see through that we unite the country, he added. It's hard to sustain yourself as a leading democracy in the world if you can't um, can't uh, uh, generate some unity, unquote. In July, a recent Associated Press uh, nor, uh, uh, N-O-R-C poll found that 85% of Americans felt the country is headed in the wrong direction. A majority of Republicans have been unhappy with the direction of the country since Biden's election, and Democrats have been positive about how things were going. But now 78% say the country is headed in the wrong direction. <laughs> That's of Democrats. The poll found that 92% of Republicans and 85% of independents agree that the country was headed in the wrong direction. So that leads us to number two and the things that we should learn. Biden is their 2024 nominee unless he is fully incapacitated. (laughs) That's the only way he won't be their nominee. Why? Why wouldn't it be the case? There is nobody else that can run. Uh, Virginia uh, Cruda said that CNN panelists re, uh, appeared baffled by the certainty at which an analyst, um, Barkley Sellers, claimed that, that uh, President Joe Biden was likely to face a challenger going into the 2024 Democratic primary election. While authors... Uh, and our anchors, Don Lemon and Caitlin Collins, seem to agree with part of Settler's assessment, namely that Biden might might decide against taking on the rigors of another campaign. They were less convinced that the Democratic Party would push um, other serious contenders to the forefront if he was still running, noting that President Biden has not wavered from his uh, initial claim that he intends to run for re-election in 2024. Why wouldn't he? You have to ask somebody else. I I think he's doing a great job. I kind of I'm kind of a Biden guy. I I like what he's doing," said analyst Paul Begala. <laughs> Begala went on to say that there had been a lot of. Um, emerging new stars, as he put it, in the Democratic Party. However, suggesting that if Biden were to bow out, the party had enough depth to to work around that. (laughs) 
three three weeks ahead of, of Tuesday's midterms, the Washington Post put out a top 10 ranked list of potential Democratic candidates, <laughs> these these um, rising stars or whatever that he's talking about here. And let me read you the list here. This is this is crazy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Biden was ranked number one. The list also include Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. I mean, I mean, a guy who who took maternity leave uh, and, and nobody knew he was gone, right? Vice President Kamala Harris. Oh, yeah, enough said. California Governor Gavin Newsom. I mean, people are leaving California in droves. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. I mean, I mean, the lockdown queen, right? And and Congresswoman AOC. <laughs> I mean, this is their list. This these are their rising stars. This is why he will be the nominee. Who on who who on this list is electable as president? No one. Oh, and there is there is one that they left off the list. How does Fetterman 2024 sound to you? <laughs> yeah, Fetterman 2024. An MSNBC panel on Wednesday seriously raised the prospect of Pennsylvania sen- uh, sen- uh, Senator-elect John Fetterman seeking the Democratic presidential nomination in two years. Fetterman, who overcame a a May stroke that left him with an alarming inability to process or respond to questions to defeat Republican Dr. Mehmet Oz could be just what the party needs, according to Katie Tour. Quote, Fetterman as a nominee at some point for president, um, I know there are some variables, obviously, Tur said, as <laughs> as knuckles could be and and chuckles, I'm sorry, could be heard from other panelists, including Jen Psaki, uh, Michael Steele, and Un- Andre Mitchell. But this is a quote. But I just, you know, what he did in the super red, deep red parts of Pennsylvania, and the way that he ran ahead of Biden, as as you said, he he ran ahead of Trump. It it just makes you wonder about his future. Unquote. I would love to see the Democrats put up Fetterman as their nominee. Please, please do this. Make this a thing. So so you see why I say Biden will be their nominee. They may not have wanted that to be the case. They may have wanted to take him out uh, even before he ends this one, but that's just not going to happen. Number three. Republicans wildly underperformed and heads should roll. Um, Democrats scored big with young voters around the nation in Tuesday night's midterm elections, but one state bucked the trend and its standard bearer, not surprisingly, won in a landslide. Hank Marine said that former uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who defeated Charlie Crist by 20%, uh, percentage points uh, to win re-election led his party to victory with a stunning 49% of the vote in the 18 to 29 age group. The strong performance helped Senator Ru- Marco Rubio and a host of GOP House candidates and statewide offices uh, swamp Democrats in the Sunshine State, which was considered a battleground state, state just a few years ago. 
the GOP's share of the young vote in Florida dwarfed the party's performance elsewhere. The national, uh, national youth vote choice for the U.S. House of Representatives was 63% for Democrats, 35 for Republicans. This is what exit polls said. That's almost, almost identical to 2020, when youth preferred Democrats to Republicans by 62-36%, and a small shift in favor of Republicans from various midterms in, in 2018. The Florida GOP's position, portion of the key demographic was up 9 percentage points over the 2018 midterms when DeSantis was first elected governor. Democrats' share of Florida's 18 to 29 vote dropped 14 percentage points to 44% over the same time uh, frame. In uh, comparison, in Pennsylvania, 54% of the youth vote went to Democrats in 2022, while only 43% to Republicans. The Democrats only lost five points from 2018, while the GOP gained four points. The younger vote heavily influenced by Keystone State's uh, close Senate uh, election uh, with tw- with 70% of the voters aged 18 to 29 choosing Democrat John Fetterman over Republican Mehmet Oz. In, in, uh, in Georgia, the youth vote was 54% to 43% Democrats over Republicans, with the Democrats losing eight points and the GOP gaining the same amount since uh, 2018. In Arizona, the Democratic margin was a whopping 57 to 38%, with the Demer- Democrats having lost five points since 2018 and the G- GOP gaining five points. Quote, there, there's always this poo-pooing about whether they're actually showing up. He's talking about the, the youth vote. Because we hear this rock the vote and this stuff every time. But it looks like there's a, a bigger number than people actually expected. They did show up this time. And, and this is just one example of where in, in, in most of the country, the, the GOP underperformed. We have to look at this and, and see why this was the case. And how about number four? There, there is a lot of hope for the Republican coalition, given their performance with Hispanic and black voters. But their candidate quality was poor and their leadership was either absent or counterproductive. Yes. Uh, Joseph Curl uh, wrote that the, the 2022 midterm elections didn't exactly go as expected for Republicans, but there was some good news in the data collected uh, at exit polls. While Democrats won 76% of the black men's vote in, in 2018, that margin was cut to 65% in 2022. Yeah, that's 11% boost for the GOP. Republicans also picked up an additional 7% from black women, according to the exit polls uh, collected by CNN. Democrats enjoyed a 29% edge among Latino men in 2018, but that was slashed to just 8% this time around. Latino women's support also rose 14%. So these are very good numbers, considering that, that the Democrats just expected to get around 90% of the black vote not more than just a few years ago. So that has, that's a dramatic change. 
Number five, candidate quality matters. Underlying dynamics are not strong enough to drive bad candidates to victory. So in other words, you just can't run anybody out there and expect, well, they're going to win because everybody's you know upset about inflation or something, right? Ben Shapiro said, what happened is that in many districts and states all over the country, Republicans picked bad candidates, believing that the fundamentals were all that was necessary to sweep them to victory. Republican leadership failed to intervene in these primaries to the extent necessary to ensure durable general election candidates. They stood aside, largely out of fear of Donald Trump. Trump himself personally intervened in a variety of cases in the primaries, endorsing candidates almost solely on the basis of whether or not they they were sufficiently um, on his side when it came to election 2020. Those candidates then lost. An example of this, I'll give you an example of this. In the state of Washington, where this uh, podcast originates, um, there, there was a candidate that Trump sent and endorsed. His name is Joe Kent. Uh, and it looks to the, 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 like the fact that he may have lost to an openly socialist candidate. This happened because he was a very weak candidate and very unlikable candidate, just to be honest with you, who who beat out other stronger candidates in, in, in the primary. The, the Trump endorsement helped him get over the line in the primary, but he was not a he was not strong enough of a candidate to win against a socialist in a reddish purple area. Number six. Donald Trump was a major drag on Republicans from his picks to his uh, antics. Trump picked bad candidates, sent most, uh, almost no money um, on, on his handpicked candidates, and then proceeded to, well, just crap on the, the Republicans who, who lost and didn't sufficiently bend the knee. And this will impact 2024 uh, election. There's no, no two ways around it. Joseph Curl again said, Donald Trump might be the only person in America who couldn't beat Joe Biden in the 2020 pre- presidential election. And Trump's also the reason Republicans performed so poorly in the midterm elections. When Americans were furious about inflation and crime and the border He single-handedly blew it for the GOP and in the process delivered the party's crown to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Despite his crushing loss in 2020, Trump remained the particular head of the party. He endorsed candidate after candidate in the midterms and so uh, expected to have a good night on Election Day. Trump, who can't really spend one second out of the spotlight, announced he'd have an announcement to announce on November 15th. But except for the deepest red states, nearly every candidate Trump backed lost. And Trump picked big-time losers in winnable races, most of whom were classified as election deniers claiming Trump actually won in 2020. Now, let me stop here and say that we have documented all 
the voter irregularities uh, that we could find um, that happened in the 2020 uh, election, uh, election here on this podcast. And there and and they were numerous. So you can you can go back and you can you can uh, um, hear the archived ones. Uh, you can always go to uncommonsensepodcast.com. You can you can hear all of those. We have documented those. Okay. Uh, and 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 I can do this. I can talk about that because I have a podcast. <laughs> this is this is not a winning issue on a political campaign. As a politician, you have to say things that will get you votes. I mean, that's just the way it works. This was not a winning issue, no matter how many times Trump said it was. Trump and 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 here's the other thing. This is this was eye-opening. Trump's super PAC spent 3.4 million dollars backing Herschel Walker in the general election against incumbent uh Democratic Senator um Raphael Warnock. Now, both of them of course are going to a runoff. Neither one got the 50% mark. Walker, whose campaign raised $38 million. And you may say, wow, that's a lot of money, $38 million. That, you know, that can go a long ways. But he could have used more help, especially since given that Warnock raised $123 million. That's 38 to 123 And Trump's PAC spent $4.4 million on groups that opposed Republican Governor Brian Kemp in the primary. So basically, Trump spent more money in Georgia trying to get rid of Brian Kemp, who won handily as as the governor uh, over St- Stacey Abrams. And he spent less money on his handpicked Herschel Walker candidate, who may not win. I, he, Trump's PAC has it raised about $100 million. And in total, all across the United States, he spent 15 million of that. Why? Why did he not spend more? People are giving to him to make sure that these candidates go, you know, do well, and he didn't spend the money. Trump's biggest loss was in Pennsylvania, where a Democrat who suffered a stroke and could barely utter a coherent sentence defeated his hand-picked Trump candidate, Dr. Mimic Oz. Now, remember Trump's endorsement of, you know, put Oz on on top of David McCormick, a former undersecretary of Treasury Department under George W. Bush. And in in the in, in, he did this in the, in the GOP primary. McCormick had been picked to run for the Senate seat vacated by popular Republican Pat Toomey. And McCormick most likely would have just simply crushed the bumbling John Fetterman. Donald Trump reportedly threw his wife, Melania Trump, under the bus Wednesday after the loss. A a Fox News report said that Trump is furious, particularly about this loss. Quote, is blaming everyone who advised him to back Oz, including his wife, describing it as not her best decision. Unquote. In a lesser watched race, this one for a Michigan seat in the U.S. Uh, US House, Trump backed John Gibbs. Gibbs is a former official in Trump's Department of Housing and Urban Development, and but but he he spouted some really kind of wacky stuff, 
like claiming Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign chair, John uh, Podesta, uh, participated in a satanic ritual. (laughs) Just, and of course, you know, he declared that Trump actually won in 2020. Again, all these things that just are not, not winning issues with people. Trump endorse, endorsement put Gibbs on top of the GOP primary against uh, Representative Peter uh, Mayer uh, and put Gibbs, you know, uh, as the as the uh, uh, elected um, representative for the Republican Party in this race. And he got crushed 54 to 41 on Tuesday's election. Democrats also outfoxed Trump. They the liberals spent fifty three million dollars to bolster Trump pick candidates in nine key states, California, Colorado, Illinois, Maryland, uh, Michigan, Nevada, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and Virginia as part of the questionable strategy. And guess what? It worked out perfectly. <laughs> yeah. After Gibbs lost in Michigan, Kevin um, uh, Rubliard uh, of the Huffington Post tweeted, with this race call, every single Republican who won their primary with help from Democratic meddling has lost in the general election. In almost every race the Trump meddling, uh, that Trump meddled in, a strong Republican candidate was poised to run, only to be knocked off by a fringe candidate that went on to lose to the Democrat, despite the horrible atmosphere for Democrats and the toxicity of President Biden. I mean, if you if, if you can take Arizona, Republican leaders were pushed, you know, were pushing for Arizona Governor Doug Ducey to run against Mark Kelly, and instead Trump backed um, Blake Masters, and and look, it looks it looks like at this point Masters is going to lose. There's there's still you know some counting to go, um, but Scott Reed, a veteran uh, Republican strategist, just. Put it succinctly, he said, I mean, we had a historic opportunity and Trump's recruitment of uh, unelectable candidates blew it for us. Trump's now lost three elections in a row for the Republican Party, and it's time to snap out of this foolishness. Um, I mean, you, it, it, you can you can just you can just go on and on. The, the night was so bad for Trump that some of his inner circle are suggesting that he just needs to put off whatever announcement he was going to make on November, November 15th, right? Uh, former uh, Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, you know, he, he said, I think Trump's got to, to look at the results and be troubled. Uh, he said, I, I can tell you for me, this is not the result I expected. And I thought we'd win a lot more seats. Uh, I mean, I just, in, in my own e- emails today, the number of people who want somebody other than Trump who have decided literally overnight that person is going to be DeSantis. Uh, he's going to find out, uh, f- find it almost impossible to avoid running, said uh, Gingrich. All right. Uh, re- Republican leadership. This is number seven. Republican leadership class, paralyzed by Trump phenomenon, failed to provide any leadership at all. Shapiro said, uh, take, a, for example, Don Bullock in uh, New Hampshire. The New Hampshire is a toss-up state, and late polls suggested that despite a myriad of oddities and strong support from, from Trump, um, that, that he might win the race. Instead, he lost by double digits. And this is what Trump did. He turned on, on Don Bullock. He, he said, Don Bullock was a nice guy, a very nice guy, but he lost tonight because he disavowed, uh, after his big primary win, his longstanding stance on election fraud in 2020 presidential primary. Had he stayed strong and true, he would have owned easily. Lesson learned. 
Yeah, the Republican Party had one job in 2020 election cycle to provide some semblance of a, a uh, responsible leadership. And where they didn't, they lost. And where they did, they won. All right, lastly, number eight, except for DeSantis, who was a leader, an excellent candidate, and an organizer of his own party, leading to a Florida red tsunami. That's where the tsunami hit, was in Florida. Then uh, said that in Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis, who op- reopened the state during COVID, ensured children could go back to school en masse, kept the economy open, handled Hurricane Ian, and fought off the um, uh, predations of wokesters and corporate left-wingers, won an overwhelming victory. Uh, he he only won by like 0.4% initially in 2018, yeah, he won by 1.5 million votes. Votes. That's 20 points this time. And what did Donald Trump have to say to that? Well, even before the election, like like two days before the election, he already had a name for him, Ron DeSanctimonious. You see, in in Georgia, Governor Brian Kemp handily defeated Democratic darling Stacey Abrams, despite Trump's personal attempts to defeat Kemp in his primary election due to Kemp's failure to illegally flip the state to Trump in 2020 election. Kemp is uh, is trusted in Georgia, and he won. Now, Donald Trump is a populist. This is what I'll say. Donald Trump is a populist, not an ideologue. He looks at what is popular and goes with that. I'm, I'm, not, an, I'm not a never-Trump or anything like that. I just call it as I see it. He doesn't operate on a set of principles that guide his policies. This can be good for the Republicans because the country is still more conservative than it is liberal. But at this point, his emotion surrounding the 2020 election is getting in the way of this, this populist, his populist way, and it's hurting the Republican Party at this point. And, and I, I think that he needs... and he needs to go. But you may agree with that and you may disagree with that. I would love to hear uh, your side and your take of the election. And of course, you can always do that at uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening.